I know it seemed like the soccer world stopped during the World Cup. At least it felt that way to me at times. But let me tell you, it did not. The Major League Soccer offseason was and still is in full swing ahead of the new season starting at the end of February. So what did you miss in MLS during the World Cup? That's what we're here to talk about on today's show. I'm Joe Lowry, and welcome to the Backheel Show, where we bring you quality American soccer coverage in just 10 minutes or less. On today's episode, I'm joined by the host of MLS Today and a key part of MLS's Extra Time podcast, David Goss. Goss lives, breathes, and I would assume sleeps MLS. He knows the league inside and out and is going to help us run through the biggest MLS offseason developments, and I do mean run. Here at Backfield, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. We keep it short. We keep it sweet. Let's get to it and talk soccer. joined by david goss goss thank you so much for being here how are you i'm great it's been a really enlightening 24 48 hours to remember other soccer existed besides the world cup so i'm really happy about that yeah i don't know what that's all about i thought i thought we'd all sort of agree that the world cup was going to be it but the soccer does keep churning on let's get right into some of the major mls offseason news that happened during the world cup starting with front office guru garth lagerway moving from the seattle sounders to atlanta united David, can you give me and the listeners a quick primer on who Lagerway is and, and why Atlanta United wanted him? Why is this a big deal? Garth Lagerway has been, over the last 10 years, arguably the best general manager in Major League Soccer. So the rosters he's built, the talent he's ide- identified, both buying and selling, he has been as good, if not better, than everyone else in the league. So that's who he is. Uh, he's most recently been at Seattle. He won CCL, you know, his roster for the first time in MLS history. His RSL teams, almost 10 years back, they went to a CCL final. They were the first one out of MLS to even reach that stage. That's who he is. Why it's a big deal is because Atlanta has entered the league and operated at a stratosphere different than almost any other MLS team. But since year one, it has been done, it feels like, without any direction or process. And so Garth Lagerwey is now bringing what he's already done at a high level in MLS, and he's doing it with resources even higher than what he's had. And so the potential, one, for Atlanta fans is their team could be good again, they can make the playoffs, they could be competitive. I think for people outside, like myself, neutrals, the potential is something we've never seen before in MLS, and that's why this is really exciting. I want to really bang in on that idea of him bringing a process, because I'm curious, how do you envision Lagerway working with technical director Carlos Bocanegra? Lagerway, you said it there, Gas has a, a good track record of building rosters, but to me, Bocanegra's title as technical director still implies that he's going to do more of the nitty-gritty roster building stuff. What is that? What is that going to look like, or what could that look like? I think what we'll probably see is that you'll see different verticals in Atlanta with different roles. So rather than just here are the five people in the front office, you know, two reports, the one, three reports, the two and up and down. I think you're going to see Carlos Bogonegra be put in charge of some of what the club does and other people put in charge of other things. Right. So for some clubs in MLS, for example. You've got someone who's in charge of the second team and youth development. And then you've got someone who's in charge of MLS moves and someone who's in charge of international moves. And everyone works together to put a roster on the field. My expectation is that's what we'll see 
in Atlanta as if Carlos Bocanegra does remain there, which Gard Lagerwey for now is saying that that will be the case, is that rather than having Carlos Bocanegra doing everything just below Garth Lagerwey, that other people will be specialized into what they're really good at. All right, let's look at the player side of this offseason. There have been a lot of moves already, but two really stand out to me. One is Brazilian midfielder Evander joining the Portland Timbers for a really big fee, one of the biggest in league history. And the other is Jossie Zardes signing with Austin FC as a free agent. Goss, I want to ask you about both of those players, starting with Evander. What should Portland Timbers fans expect from him? For starters, it's a right foot. Uh, I've watched about 25, 40 minutes of highlights of him, and I've never <laughs> seen him touch the ball with his left foot. So that's that's what you should expect to see. Uh, he's a silky number 10. It's more, for him, it's more beating guys 1v1 and opening up the game and then slipping passes through than sitting deep and sort of opening the game up through long passing and through balls and whatnot. But what's interesting about this move for Portland is it's a younger profile. So the hope is that it's a player who can play more minutes, is a bit more active, can play at a higher speed more often than what you've seen in the past. But he's a pure goal scorer himself, as well as chance creator. So I think there's a lot of excitement around what he could look like, especially with Santiago Moreno uh, and Jimmy Chara and Dyer Despria and the other pieces that maybe he could be the linchpin to on that team. For Austin, you're getting a pretty tried and true player in Giassi's artist. And the question for them is, how do they take what worked last year and up the ante? And their belief is it's more finishing at the center forward position. Maxi Ruti always has his spells up and down. He's inconsistent. And Zardes has been consistent over the time he's been a starting center forward. Reminder that his best spells in MLS were under Greg Berhalter in Columbus, whose assistant Josh Wolf is now the head coach at Austin FC. So the belief is he can stretch the back line be a reference point for Drewsi to play off of and be a guy who can finish off the chances that they create from the wing positions as well. Goss, one last thing before I let you go. What do you make of Wilfred Nance's move from Montreal to Columbus? How is he going to change the crew? I have picked Columbus to be one of the top teams preseason the last two years and have been wrong both times. So the first way he'll change it is hopefully start proving me right. Um, I would say the crew are in that short list of most underperforming teams because of the talent on the roster and obviously winning 2020 MLS Cup, a sign that it can work. Um, And so what Wilfred Nance is going to bring to this team, I think, is a little more structure defensively, but a little more balance. And it felt like for Columbus, they were incapable of playing both sides of the ball at a high level. And when they were giving up goals... They would close things up and then struggle to score. And what Wilfred Nance's teams in Montreal were able to do was to have a ton of balance through possession, but possession with a cause and possession with danger. And that's where Columbus has struggled uh, over these last few years. So one, a fresh start. You can't shift the whole roster and the talent is there. So for Columbus to get better this year, they needed something new without having to swap 15 players out. Wilfred Nance gives you that. He gives all of the players an opportunity to prove themselves once again, to change their role a little bit under a new voice and a new message, change the culture. Um, But it feels like this is a manager in Nance who fits well with the talent, which is a ton of players who like to be on the ball, who like to have time on the ball, who like to connect with short passing, and then a few pieces that can really open a game up in a Zellerion and a Cucho. And that's exactly what you saw in Montreal over the last few years when they were at their best under Nancy, and it feels like it could be a match made in heaven. 
Okay, guys, sorry I lied. One, one more question off of that. Columbus having to pay Montreal a small fee, an undisclosed compensation to get him now out of that contract and into Columbus. Could we see more MLS teams start to swoop in and, and pay to sign the league's best coaches from other teams like Columbus did here? 100%. And it goes along with the start of this, which was Garth Lagerwey. Uh MLS is salary cap league. So you have a cap on what you can spend on the players on the field. There is no cap off the field. And as teams want to compete at higher and higher levels and gain advantages, it becomes spending off the field. The last arms race was on training grounds and physical facilities. Then it became stadiums. Then it became data analytics. Then it became scouting departments. Uh, All of this is getting more and more investment from ownership when they say, hey, I want to win to their GM or their president. They turn around and say, okay, well, this is what's required. And that's that next frontier. So I do think we'll see a lot more coaching moves inside the league. For a while, it was, okay, who are the assistants that are eligible to next be a coach? That's who people are going to look at. Now we're going to start seeing head coaches go and GMs. I think we're going to see teams start paying for general managers, presidents, front office uh, members as well, who they think can give them a competitive advantage. David Goss, ladies and gentlemen. David, I appreciate you joining me on this episode. There'll be a link to follow you on Twitter in the show notes. For now, that's it for this episode of the Backheeled Show. If you're looking for more American soccer coverage, check out backheel.com. We'll talk to you again soon.